In this special episode of Flying Smarter, I'll be going over the top 5 non-pandemic air travel stories of 2020. Welcome to episode 11 of Flying Smarter, the podcast that explores the fascinating world of air travel. This is a special year-end holiday episode, and what I'll be doing is going over what I think are the top 5 non-COVID-19 air travel stories of 2020. The COVID-19 pandemic is obviously the big news of the year, and there's a lot of changes and things that have happened because of the pandemic. But those stories have gotten a lot of coverage, so what I'm doing is taking a look at some stories that are either unrelated to the pandemic or less directly related. I didn't really feel like I was able to rank these, so they're not in any particular order. Now, let's get started. Number 1. US Airlines Eliminate Their Change Fees This one is somewhat linked to the pandemic, but has the potential to be a game changer well into the future. Prior to these changes, airlines in North America charged pretty significant fees if you wanted to make changes to your itinerary, generally in the range of $100 to $200. Plus, if your new flight was more expensive, you would have to pay the difference. That means that if you paid something like $150 for your flight, it could have easily been more expensive to change your flight than it would have been to book it in the first place. Well, in late August of 2020, United Airlines did what might have been previously unthinkable. They announced that they were permanently eliminating change fees for flights within the United States. American, Delta, Hawaiian Airlines, and Alaska Airlines all made similar announcements within a few days. Since then, airlines have made some further announcements, mostly to expand the elimination into international flights, but let me sum up the current situation. On American, Delta, and United, change fees are now gone for all domestic destinations as well as international itineraries originating in the United States. Hawaiian and Alaska have eliminated change fees across the board for their entire network. On all of these airlines, the announcements don't apply to basic economy fares. That means if you purchase a basic economy ticket, which is the cheapest fare class, there are still change fees in place. If you end up changing to a cheaper flight, some airlines will issue you with a credit for the price difference. American, Delta, and Alaska, at least for now, fall into this category. However, with United and Hawaiian, you don't get anything if you book a cheaper flight. On all five of these airlines, if you book a more expensive flight, you're responsible for paying the fare difference. Change fees are also gone for award flights on all of these airlines with a few exceptions. What about other airlines in the US? Well, unsurprisingly, Southwest Airlines never had change fees in the first place. Ultra-low cost carriers like Frontier and Spirit still have change fees, but that's also no surprise since fees are a key part of their business model. That leaves JetBlue as the only major airline in the US that isn't an ultra-low-cost carrier to still have change fees. Now, all these changes were made during the COVID-19 pandemic when travelers need flexibility when planning travel. However, the elimination of change fees has been announced as a permanent measure. We'll have to see if these changes stick around for good. 
It looks like the U.S. airlines are sending the message that change fees will be eliminated even beyond the pandemic, but I'm hesitant to assume that permanent really means forever and ever. Number two, Starlux Airlines started operations. Taiwan has two major international airlines, China Airlines and EVA Airways. Both are fairly well-respected airlines and offer extensive route networks in Asia and also decent connections to Asia for those traveling from Australia, Europe, and North America. A few years ago, there was some drama among the leadership at EVA Airways, and that led to the departure of the company's chairman. He later announced the launch of a new airline, Starlux Airlines. And this has the potential to be a game changer and not just for those in Taiwan or Asia. Starlux Airlines has positioned itself to be a full-service luxury airline. It's very rare these days to see new airlines that legitimately have the potential to be global full-service carriers, but Starlux has done it. It's even been described as an aspiring Emirates of Taiwan. The airline is a legitimate, well-funded operation, and initial reviews have reported excellent passenger experiences. It currently operates narrow-body Airbus A321 aircraft to some short-haul destinations in Asia, but it has a bunch of wide-body Airbus A350s on order, with a plan to launch long-haul flights to North America in the next few years. The airline started its operations in January 2020, to much fanfare in the Taiwanese media and in the global aviation community. Its first flight had been sold out within 11 minutes. It looked like the airline was delivering on its promise of being a boutique, high-end airline. Now, you might have seen this coming, but Starlux Airlines got really, really unlucky because COVID-19 hit Asia and then the rest of the world pretty shortly after that. Like every airline in the world, its operations were significantly impacted, and they really just got unlucky. Through no fault of their own, they had to suspend operations for a little while before resuming a small number of flights. It's not all doom and gloom though, and things are looking good for the future. Starlux became an outlier in the global industry when it actually started recruiting pilots this past summer during the middle of the pandemic. Of course, the current trend around the world is to have less pilots, not more, so Starlux has bucked that trend. Starlux also hasn't changed its plan to receive its first wide-body plane in 2021, and it recently filed for government approval for flights to Los Angeles. Starlux Airlines' growth is definitely a story to keep an eye on, not just for those in Taiwan and Asia, but also for Asia-bound travelers in North America, and maybe even Europe or Australia in the future. The airline has huge potential and seems to have what it takes to become a major international carrier down the line. Number 3. Berlin-Brandenburg Airport Finally Opened I talked about this in the last episode, so I won't go into too much detail, but Berlin now has a new airport to replace its aging old one. But the story of the city's new Brandenburg Airport is a wild one. Berlin-Brandenburg Airport opened on October 31st, 2020, but it was about 10 years late and 4 billion euros over budget. The initial plan was to open the airport in October 2011, and construction had started in 2006. However, the project was delayed and delayed, with the opening pushed to 2012, then to 2013, and on and on. What caused the delays? There are so many reasons, but let me list some of them. In 2010, about a year after the original planned opening, the construction company went bankrupt. 
The original fire suppression system had smoke being rooted downwards, despite the fact that smoke rises. The entire system was designed by a guy who wasn't even an engineer, and the whole thing had to be redone. There have been various allegations of corruption among top personnel involved in the project. In 2015, construction was temporarily halted because the terminal roof was too heavy and faced an imminent collapse. There have been a bunch of other engineering, design, and construction problems ranging from improperly installed cables to incorrectly labeled doors. Air Berlin, which was supposed to turn the airport into a big hub, went bankrupt in 2017 and seized operations. As you can see, the airport's planning and construction was riddled with problems. It became a bit of a running joke and caused problems in political circles, and it's been in the news for years and years. But finally, its momentous opening happened in 2020. It's always big news when a major new airport opens, but with Berlin-Brandenburg, its history makes the story all the more significant. Number 4. The New Aeroplan Program Launched Air Canada launched its new Aeroplan Frequent Flyer Program in November 2020. This is big news not only for those in Canada, but for anyone who might fly on its Starlines partners and other partners around the world. The new program has a lot of great things to be excited about, as well as some aspects that are not so good. I'm going to talk about why this is exciting news for Canadians and non-Canadians alike, and for frequent and not-so-frequent travelers. Let me start with something that is mostly good, but also has some bad news in it. The new Aeroplan has a very unique award chart, which is what determines how many points are needed for a flight redemption. Some airlines out there use distance-based charts, while others divide up the world into different zones and have charts based on that. Aeroplan uses a hybrid version of the two. You first find a chart that applies to where you're flying, like uh, within South America or between uh, North America and their Pacific region, for example. And then those charts are broken down by distance, and that's how you see how many points you need for a certain redemption. The fact that Aeroplan still has award charts in itself is also good news since some airlines, especially those in the US, have eliminated award charts in favor of dynamic pricing based on a flight's current price. The bad news here is that the average amount of points required for flight redemptions has gone up a bit from the old Aeroplan program. Now to get into the positives. Perhaps the biggest piece of good news is that Aeroplan has eliminated fuel surcharges. Previously, when you booked an award flight with points, you were still responsible for paying a fuel surcharge, meaning that your quote-unquote free award flight might still cost you a few hundred dollars or euros. These fees are now gone, even on flights operated by partner airlines. Next, Aeroplan now allows award bookings using a combination of points and cash. This is good news if you aren't a super frequent flyer with a lot of points. If you're using this option to save yourself some points, the point valuation of the points that you're saving is also pretty good. You can pool points with family members as well. Aeroplan now allows up to 8 family members to use its new family sharing feature to pool their points together and make it easier to earn rewards faster. This is particularly interesting for those who aren't based in Canada. Let's say you're a family that lives in the US and don't fly that often, but when you do, it's generally on United, which is a Star Alliance member like Air Canada. What you can do is redeem Aeroplan points when flying on United, 
and then pool your points together with other family members to get rewards faster. This is something that United's Frequent Flyer program doesn't allow you to do. Aeroplan now makes it much easier and cheaper to visit different destinations. With the exception of itineraries that are solely in North America, the program now allows stopovers for only 5,000 points. That means you could take a trip from New York to Frankfurt to Dubai by booking a reward ticket from New York to Dubai and then only paying an additional 5,000 points for a stopover in Frankfurt. On round trip tickets, you can also have an open jaw, which means that you arrive and depart in different places. An example of this would be going from Toronto to, let's say, Shanghai, and then returning by flying from, let's say, Beijing to Montreal. Aeroplan lets you do this for no additional cost. There are some negatives with the new program, though. The new Aeroplan has a $39 booking fee for award flights on partner airlines, so basically non-Air Canada flights. In most cases though, you'll still be paying less than before because there are no longer fuel surcharges, so I would say that this isn't a huge deal. Like I mentioned earlier, the new award charts also do increase the average number of points needed to redeem award flights, but there are a lot of other benefits in the program that do offset this a bit. Overall, the new Aeroplan has a lot to be excited about, and not just for Canadians. With points pooling, new award charts, and generous stopover and open jaw policies, there are features that people all over the world can take advantage of. Number 5. The Boeing 737 MAX returns to the skies. Or at least sort of. The Boeing 737 MAX was grounded worldwide in March 2019 following two fatal crashes involving the aircraft, which killed a combined total of 346 people. It turned out that there were a number of issues with the design and the certification of the plane, and this posed a big problem for Boeing, which suffered significant damage to its reputation and to its finances. But it also created a bunch of challenges for airlines, who were relying on these planes to either expand their operations or to replace existing planes. As the process for developing a fix went on, Boeing ended up reducing and eventually suspending production of the aircraft, affecting tons of employees at the company and at its suppliers. As the COVID-19 pandemic hit the global airline industry, all of a sudden demand for new planes plummeted. While airlines were previously super keen to get the Boeing 737 MAX in the air again, all of a sudden they were now in no rush to get new planes. Due to a combination of factors involving the pandemic and the grounding, Boeing has had over a thousand cancellations since March 2019. The fixing and recertification process got pushed a bit by COVID-19, but recertification flights by regulators around the world began in the summer of 2020. The US Federal Aviation Administration, or FAA, approved the aircraft's return to service on November 18, 2020, and American Airlines has put the plane back on its schedule before the end of the year. On December 9th of 2020, the first regular passenger flight since the grounding was conducted by Gaul, a Brazilian low-cost carrier. Regulators in Europe have laid out conditions for the aircraft's return to service as well, and Transport Canada just validated changes to the plane a few days prior to this episode's release. On December 18th, however, a U.S. Senate report found troubling issues with the FAA's recertification process. Their report found that FAA and Boeing officials inappropriately manipulated the testing process. Both the FAA and Boeing have said that they're reviewing the Senate report. 
In any case, it'll definitely be a while before the Boeing 737 MAX returns to the skies in large numbers. Even as different countries approve its return to service, it will take airlines some time to make the necessary modifications to their planes, ensure that their pilots are trained, and then integrate the plane into their schedules. And with the COVID-19 pandemic, some airlines might not even have a need to get the plane back into service immediately. That brings us to the end of this special episode of Flying Smarter. 2020 has been a rough year for the world of air travel, and we're all hoping for better times in 2021. I want to take a moment to wish you all the best during this unusual holiday season, and send you my best wishes for the new year. Thank you for listening, and I'll talk to you again soon.